Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. Prophesy against him and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against you, Gog, chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. So who is Gog? What's being talked about here? Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian resumes his teaching on Ezekiel chapters 37 through 39. Now here's Pastor Brian. Join them together into one stick so that they will become one in your hands. So remember in we, looked, we talked about these dates, 721 BC. Well, go back to the time just after Solomon. Just after Solomon, what happens? The nation divides in two. Jeroboam takes the 10 tribes and goes to the north. Uh, Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, is given Judah and some of Benjamin. They stay in the south. So from that point forward, there are two nations. Israel is divided into two. And they remained that way. The 721, the northern kingdom was carried away into captivity. 586, the southern kingdom was carried away into captivity. But in um, 539, when they were allowed to come back, it was really mostly the southern kingdom that returned. Although some of the northern kingdom people that were mixed within the empire would have come back, many of them were so assimilated into the other cultures, they never returned. And so... What now is being prophesied is that there's coming a day when they're going to be joined together once again as one nation. So take these two sticks, one representing Judah and one representing Joseph. And they're gonna be made into one. So that's the future, join them together. And then when your people ask you, won't you tell us, What you mean by this, say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm going to take the stick of Joseph, which is in Ephraim's hand. Ephraim was the largest tribe of the northern kingdom and of the Israelite tribes associated with him and join it to Judah's stick. I will make them into a single stick of wood and they will become one in my hand. Hold before their eyes the sticks you have written on and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will take the Israelites out of the nations where they have gone. I will gather them from all around and bring them back into their own land. I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. There will be one king over all of them and they will never again be two nations or be divided into two kingdoms. So we even see today that there's a, it's kind of a partial fulfillment of this. And that, that's the way to understand what's currently happening in Israel. It's, it's a partial fulfillment that's moving toward an ultimate fulfillment. So they're in the land today. There's no longer northern kingdom, southern kingdom. That's passed. But of course, there's no king over them either. And so that is the, the future fulfillment of the prophetic word. 
And so there will be one king over them. They will never be two nations again. They will no longer defile themselves with the idols and vile images or with any of their offenses, for I will save them from all their sinful backsliding and I will cleanse them. They will be my people. I will be their God, my servant David. Remember, my servant David. This is a reference to Jesus called in the New Testament, the son of David. My servant David will be king over them and they will have one shepherd. They will follow my laws, be careful to keep my decrees. They will live in the land I gave to my servant Jacob, the land where your ancestors lived. They and their children and their children's children will live there forever. And David, my servant, will be their prince forever. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and increase their number, and I will put my sanctuary among them forever. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God. They will be my people. Then the nations will know that I, the Lord, make Israel holy when my sanctuary is among them forever. Now, if we were to jump over to chapter 40 and start reading, we would read there about the establishment of the sanctuary or the new temple that will be rebuilt. And so, again, see, all of this is moving in a direction. And the only thing I want to emphasize on this is simply to say that what we see today in modern-day Israel is we see the process of this prophecy unfolding before our eyes. It's not totally fulfilled, but it will be totally fulfilled. The, the fulfillment has begun, and I believe that the fulfillment did begin with the reestablishing of the nation in May of 1948. But the, this process now has been going on for, what, 70 years or so. And obviously there's still more time before it is finalized. Now, they're, they're in the land, and now here's, here's something uh, in addition that we're going to be told about and it's about this great conflict that takes place while they're in this process of having come back to the land, but yet moving back into the covenant relationship with God through the Messiah. So the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, set your face against Gog. Of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, prophesy against him and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against you, Gog, chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. So who are these? Who is Gog? Where is Magog? Meshech and Tubal, what's being talked about here? Now, this in our time, has been interpreted to be referring to Russia. And we touched a little bit on that last week. And as we're going to see, it's, it's making reference to the far north and this nation coming down from the far north. And, you know, back in the 20th century, after the rise of the Soviet Union and all of that stuff that took place then, 
it seemed logical. Because even if you look on a map, I mean, you know, Russia is due north of Israel. I mean, it seemed logical that, that that's who's being talked about. And so for many years, this was the teaching that Russia is going to be the one that's going to lead this coalition and come down. And then something happened that was unexpected. The Soviet Union dissolved. And another totally unexpected thing happened this Islamic empire resurfaced. And so people who had been teaching Bible prophecy and people who had been teaching that, you know, Russia was going to come down, they began to reconsider and think, well, maybe it's this confederation of Islamic nations and so forth. And then, you know, again, time has passed and Russia's kind of re-entered into the picture geopolitically and so forth. So there are still many that, that believe that, well, this is talking about Russia. And it could be, but there's no way historically to tie these names actually to Russia. So that's kind of, you know, wanting to see something. So, well, I think this could mean this. And some of the other, the, the, King, the New King James and the, I think it's just the New King James or maybe the 1995 NASB, there is uh, another name here, Rosh, Magog, and Rosh is another, Meshach and Tubal, Rosh is, is another one referred to as a prince, and some have said that, that, that's the word chief here, the word chief is the word Rosh, and it just, it means head, or chief, like the, the head person, but some people took it as a proper name, and then identified the word Rosh with Russia. Now, sounds like there's some similarity there, but that's really not how you figure out the geography. It's not by, well, this sounds like it might be that. So, so Gog, where do we find Gog and Magog? We find Magog in scripture. Magog is a son of Japheth. In the 10th chapter of Genesis, we have these three names, Magog, Meshach, and Tubal. They're the sons of Japheth. So they inhabited a certain region, but truly uh, nobody knows to this day exactly where that region was. So many believe, and I think it's probably the closest we're gonna get, is that the Scythian Empire, which was sort of northern Turkey, in between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea, Ukraine, southern Russia, Kazakhstan, all the way over to Pakistan, Afghanistan. This was kind of the area, but, but it was a nomadic empire, so it, it kind of drifted around. So most people who have really researched this believe that it's the Scythian Empire that that's where these places are located. So, of course, this would be north of Israel, up in the upper Turkey and, and just a little bit above Turkey. Now, the Lord says that he's against Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Meshach and Tubal are considered to be the cities of Phrygia and Cappadocia. We read about those in the New Testament. Again, they're, they're part of what we know today as Turkey. And so 
The Lord says, I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws and bring you out with your whole army, your horses, your horsemen fully armed and a great horde of large and small shields, all of them brandishing their swords. And now here's three more countries, Persia, Cush, and Put will be with them all with shields and helmets. Now Persia is Iran. Cush is some, some Bible translations read Ethiopia, but the Ethiopia of the Bible is not the same as Ethiopia today. So actually, Cush is more probably Sudan and maybe a portion of, of Ethiopia, but Sudan, Cush is Sudan, and Put would be, it could be Libya, but it's really uh, a broader, because the ancient area of Libya is broader than the, the modern area of Libya, and it would be the North African coastal region. And then there is a reference to Gomer with all its troops, and Beth Togarma from the far north with all its troops, the many nations with you. So Gomer, Beth Togarma, again, most most people see these as uh, part of Turkey. So as you look at this alliance, you've got these northern nations and Gog of Magog is referred to being in the far north, but Beth Togarma, the house of Togarma, is also being referred to in the far north. So if we were to look at a map today, if we wanted to go up into the area of the, I guess it would be the southeastern part of the Ukraine, and then over and down, including Turkey. And then, of course, you have to wrap all the way around to, uh, to North Africa. Those are the nations that are being referred to here. But notice this, and many nations with you. So these nations are being highlighted, but it, it's not only these nations. There are many nations with them. Now, listen to what he says. Get ready, be prepared, you and all the hordes gathered about you, and take command of them. After many days, you will be called to arms. In the latter years, you will invade a land that has recovered from war. Okay, here's a description of Israel at the time of this invasion. They have recovered from war, whose people were gathered from many nations to the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They had been brought out from the nations, plural, and now all of them live in safety or they live in security. So this is a description of Israel at the time. They uh, have been brought out of the nations. They're no longer in a state of war. So they're living at peace and they're living in security. So you and all your troops, and again, many nations with you will go up advancing like a storm. You will be like a cloud covering the land. This is what the sovereign Lord says on that day. Thoughts will come into your mind and you will devise an evil scheme. You will say, I will invade 
a land of unwalled villages. I will attack a peaceful and unsuspecting people, all of them living without walls and without gates and bars. I will plunder and loot and turn my hand against the resettled ruins and the people gathered from the nations, rich in livestock and goods, living at the center of the land. So this power, this northern power that's going to lead everything, they're going to swoop down on Israel to rob them of their wealth. They say, I'm going to, we're, we're going to plunder their loot. And then here's three more nations mentioned, Sheba and Dedan, which are um, Arabia, and the merchants of Tarshish, which is probably Spain, it says, and, and all her, the NIV says all her villages, other translations say all of her leaders, all of her rulers. Uh, some couple translations read her young lions or warriors. So it's a little bit unclear exactly um, who it's being, who's being referred to here. Uh, but they will say to you, have you come to plunder? Have you come gathered your hordes to loot? to carry off silver and gold, to take away livestock, goods, and to seize much plunder. So there, there's things in here that are, there are things that are implied. So number one, the people living there are people that have come there from all the nations. They've come uh, from a war-torn experience, and now they're, they're in a, a secure and a peaceful situation and they are wealthy. They have many, many resources and that's the, that's the motivation for the invasion. We're gonna go there and we're gonna take all of this stuff for ourselves. So nations are saying, we're going to go and take these things. So therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, this is what the sovereign Lord says. In that day when my people Israel are living in safety, will you not notice it? You will come from your place in the far north, you and many nations with you, all of them riding on horses, a great horde, a mighty army. You will advance against my people Israel like a cloud that covers the land. In days to come, Gog, I will bring you against my land so that the nations, listen again, so that the nations may know me when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. So God is going to allow this in order to demonstrate his greatness. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. Now, this is what God is saying to, to Gog. Listen, you are the one I spoke of in former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel. At that time, they prophesied for years that I would bring you against them. This is what will happen in that day when Gog attacks the land of Israel. My hot anger will be aroused, declares the sovereign Lord. In my zeal and fiery wrath, I will declare that at that time, there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. Now, stop right there for a moment. Notice this, because this is really important. The Lord says, you are the one I spoke of in former days by my servant, the prophet, servants, the prophets of Israel. So in other words, God is saying, I've been talking about this through my prophets. Now, search high and low. You're never going to find another prophet that talks about Gog and Magog. 
So what do we make of that? How, why is God saying? And here's what I think. I think that, you know, in the former prophets, you have, you have these prophecies of this northern power, but sometimes it's referring to Assyria, sometimes it's referring to Babylon, but there's this, this warning about this judgment, this threat that's gonna come from the north. So I think the point is not the, you know, trying to identify exactly who Gog and Magog are, but just recognizing they are these forces that are united together that will come against the land, just as God said they would through all of the prophets. And as we go on, listen, it talks about the great earthquake in the land of Israel, the fish in the sea, the birds of the sky, the beast of the field, every creature that moves along the ground and all the people on the face of the earth will tremble at my presence. The mountains will be overturned. The cliffs will crumble and every wall will fall to the ground. I will summon a sword against Gog on all my mountains, declares the sovereign Lord. Every man's sword will be against his brother. I will execute judgment on him with plague and bloodshed. I will pour down torrents of rain, hailstones, and burning sulfur on him and on his troops and on the many nations with him. And so I will show my greatness and my holiness, and I will make myself known in the sight of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Now, I'm going to say this now, and then I'll elaborate on it when we get further along in the next chapter. This is what I believe. Because a big question is, when is this going to happen? And there has been the, the, the belief, the conviction by many, uh, over many years, that this is kind of like the next thing on the prophetic chart, you know, that we're, we're just waiting for the Russian invasion of Israel and that's going to happen and, you know, Russia's going to invade Israel and Israel's going to destroy Russia and these other nations. And, you know, when that happens, then, you know, probably the church will be raptured and then, you know, the final things, the tribulation and, and all of those kinds of things are going to take place. I think that that's not the right way to understand this battle. I think that this battle is what we read about in Revelation 19. I think this is the battle of Armageddon. This is just another, it's another perspective on it. Because as we go on and we see the, we see the things that transpire around the battle, when we see the outcome of the conflict, it's the same outcome as we have in the Battle of Armageddon. And an interesting thing, too, to think about, the, the passage here is talking about the mountains of Israel. It keeps talking about that, you know, the enemy is going to fall on the mountains of Israel. Remember that Armageddon means the mountains of Megiddo. That's the meaning of the, of the word Armageddon. And so it seems to me, and I would think this would stand to reason. I mean, if you think about the Battle of Armageddon, as we commonly call it, if you think about that as being the climactic battle in the history of the world, you would think that the Old Testament would say something about it, wouldn't you? I would think so. Um, but if we take this, Ezekiel 38 and 39, and if we try to put it over in some other category, because this is like, if this isn't the Battle of Armageddon, it's really, really close to the same thing. 
And for me, the, the difficulty I've always had for many years is to try to reconcile how the Jews experienced this mighty work of God, that this intervention that destroys their enemy, that reconciles them to him, that all of that happens. And then somehow a little while later, they turn around and get deceived by the Antichrist. It doesn't make any sense. November, Back to Basics Radio is offering a timely resource titled One Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. Has a skeptic in your life ever stumped you with questions regarding God, social ethics, or supposed contradictions in the Bible? Well, with this book, One Minute Answers to Skeptics, concise responses to the top 50 objections and questions by Charlie Campbell, you can be equipped to address the questions of skeptics on those exact topics and many others. If you want to be equipped to always be ready to give a defense of the faith, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order One Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ezekiel. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.